Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we didn't talk yesterday because of a bunch of different things, including that uh, that's like draft pod day, even though Dre is in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, right? Mobile? Yeah, that's definitely Mobile with uh, other people. So I didn't do it, so you didn't hear my voice. Um, you get two now though, which is cool. And I have a lot that I want to get to today. Um, I want to talk about the bachelor. I don't think we're gonna have time. I want to even more, you know what, instead of talking about the bachelor, here's what we're going to say. Um, after the bachelor, I had an incredible idea. So the way it works is the bachelor is two hours every week, um, Monday nights at seven. And so it gets over at nine. Nine is normally like a pretty great Tinder time. If you buy a boost, at nine o'clock on a Monday night, right when everybody's done watching The Bachelor, it works incredibly well. Um, like incredibly well. I cannot recommend this enough. If you guys use Tinder and are willing to spend like the six bucks, that's the time to do it. That's one hundred percent the time to do it. I I I, I kind of want to do it again, like for science to see what you can do with your bio. Like, I, I almost wonder if, like, just straight up saying, like, I am here with a boost after The Bachelor because I know that that's what's happening. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to mess around with it, though. Um, definitely the time to be, like, buying that kind of stuff if you're going to do it. I am also not, like, sponsored by Tinder or anything. I'm not paid to say that. Um, I, I wish I was. Uh, but that's how you know that I totally mean it. That is the move going forward. Um, so that was Monday. What else do we have to talk about? Um, I mean, there's like real stuff. Um, Ashad Clayton being mysterious as always. And I am so here for it. Uh, Oh, Rick George is on the college football playoff selection committee. Have to get to that for sure. Um, I actually think it might be... No, it's not bad for Colorado. It's definitely good for Colorado. It is incredibly good. Um, in terms of like the, the voting process, though, for that like one hour, two hour, three hours a week that they actually talk, maybe in there it might not be, and I'm going to explain why. Um, what else? Oh, Curtis Blades, who I have to admit I, I didn't know much about... Um, He's now our friend at DNVR. If you guys don't know who Curtis is, uh, he's a UFC fighter who I guess trains in Lakewood, uh, moved out here from Chicago, and is kind of like adopted Colorado. 
and he's wearing like DNVR shirts all week leading up to his fight on Saturday, right? Saturday? Yes. A uh, big fight on Saturday. Um, UFC fight. He's a, did I say UFC fighter? He's the third ranked heavyweight UFC fighter um, in the world. So he's really good. And if, if he wins this fight, which he's favored in on Saturday, there's a good chance he's going to get um, a, a chance to fight for the belt before the end of the year, maybe. Uh, so that is crazy and super cool. And I actually have been wanting to get into the UFC very recently, basically since the uh, McGregor fight on Saturday. I've been wanting to get into it. Uh, I, I didn't really like the UFC at all up until very recently, but my roommate watched it, so I've seen like a couple fights, and I've I've kind of gotten past the point where it upsets my stomach to see like all the blood flying and thinking about the long-term consequences that come from this. Um, like uh, Curtis Blades, for example, which is his real name, a pretty crazy, B-L-A-Y-D-E-S, Blades. Um, they call him Razor Blades. That's not his real name. That's his nickname. But his last fight, he had the other guy whose name I actually recognized He's fighting, is he fighting Dos Santos? Yeah, he's fighting Dos Santos on Saturday, which is one of the very few UFC names I know. I know, But it was another recognizable name in the last one. And he got the guy on his back and pinned his arms and just started throwing elbows at the guy's forehead. And like the first one, you're like, oh, wow, that looks like it hurt. And then the second one cracks his forehead open, like the skin and like blood splatters. And then the second one, or the third one is like, a pretty good one. Then the fourth one just blood spatter everywhere. Fifth one, you're just like, oh no, this is over. And the ref called it. It's insane. It's kind of gross. But now I've seen enough of it that I can watch that. And the strate- strategic parts are more interesting. I feel like I'm kind of starting to see that kind of stuff. Um, I've always been more of a boxing guy. But I'm super excited. Now we have like a DNVR fighter. He's not ours, but he's our friend. And we're cheering for him on Saturday. Uh, at the same time as the Washington game. I'm not sure if we're going to get much basketball talk today. We'll see how things go. Um, wow. Uh, before I get into the things that actually matter, I'm going to tell you all about uh, Davidson's because they are great to us. I didn't actually get my hair cut yesterday, like was my plan, um, because things just are always more busy than I think they're going to be. I always think I'm going to have free time and then it doesn't ever happen. So I didn't get down south of Denver to check out Davidson's, but I should, and you should, because not only are they a great Colorado business with thousands of varieties of beers and wines from around the world and single malts and rare whiskeys and all that kind of stuff, they also have a special going on just for us. If you use the code FIRST10, that's first 10, you get 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. But the offer ends uh, January 31st, which is only nine days away. My birthday is on Friday. Oh, I have not planned anything. Um, they have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, or you can get your purchase conveniently delivered to your door. Remember, that's code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your first order of $25 or more. Now let's jump into the show. That last part was written. We've been talking for a while. Okay, uh, Rick George. So here's what went down. Um, 
he was selected to the college football playoff selection committee this morning, Wednesday morning. Uh, and that's really cool. It's great for Rick because, you know, it's, it's another accolade. It's another thing to put on his resume. Um, he's 59 now and has a pretty full resume. Not even sure this cracks the top 20, but, uh, it, it is a huge, huge honor to be uh, selected for this job. Uh, again, very important. 13 people are on this committee and they decide pretty much everything that matters in college football. They decide who goes to the college football playoff. They decide who plays in the other New Year's Six Bowls. They put out the ranking. I mean, it's very important. It's it's incredible to be trusted with that responsibility. And uh, Rick George was. Here's kind of the process to go to the selection committee. And then we're going to talk about what they actually do. And then we're going to talk about what that means for Colorado. And it means really a whole bunch of different things. Um, we can even speculate about the future, even past then. Okay, so but the way it works is um, 13 members on the committee. Each member has a three-year term. Um, five of the members are an athletic director from a Power Five conference. So the Pac-12 has one athletic director serve a three-year term, and then after that, another one serves a three-year term. Uh, same thing in the SEC, same thing in uh, the ACC, and the Big Ten, and the Big 12. All five Power Five conferences have one athletic director representing them. Uh, then there are eight other spots that are filled by a whole bunch of different people. Uh, they can be former athletic directors. Uh, they can be former coaches, um, former players. Uh, there's there's one guy who used to write, where did he write? Maybe for USA Today, uh, and he retired, and now he's on the selection committee. So they come from all different sides of the sport. Um, actually, so so uh, Condoleezza Rice was uh, on the selection committee, I think, like, up until two years ago, maybe. So she that would have been like 2014 to 2017. Um, and, you know, she, she was the Secretary of State for the U.S. She's like a big football person, football fan, grew up a big football fan. So she does have ties to the game that way. But part of the reason she was chosen for this job is because she is an outsider. And so you can hand her the resumes and say, this team beat this team, lost to this team. Here's all this different stuff. What do you think? How would you place the order of these teams instead of thinking, you know, like a, a current athletic director, you know, Rick George, when, when they're talking Utah or Oregon is going to say, well, I, I, I think I trust Justin Herbert more going forward than Tyler Huntley because he has that close experience with all of them. And so that extra degree of separation can pay off. So the point is all different walks of life, 13, uh, each serving three-year terms. For uh, Rick George to be selected is an incredible honor, obviously. Uh, before this, it was Oregon's athletic director. And actually, it's it's Larry Scott, uh, the Pac-12 commissioner who decides who it is. And so Larry Scott said, all right, uh, Rick George, you're the best option here. Uh, will you do it? And he says, yep. And so then he nominates him. And then college football playoff, whoever 
the executive director, I think, can confirm him and say, yep, that's a good call. We'll go with it. Uh, great honor for Rick George. Now let's get into the actual process of the voting so that we can talk more after. Maybe even about the politics of Larry Scott picking Rick George. But uh, just in brief, as brief as we can, here's how it works. Um, I, th- I think it's six weeks of rankings, the last six weeks of the season, starting November, the f- first week of November, the college football playoff committee convenes to put together their top 25 rankings. And then the sixth one is when they announce the top four and say, this is these are the bowl games, there's this kind of stuff. The way it works is actually really interesting, I think. Um, all 13 members come up with a list of the 30 teams that they think should be considered. Um, they just, no particular order, the top 30 they think that should be considered for their, for their rankings. Um, then, out of the 13 different lists of 30, which any, or any team that gets named at least three times, so on three separate lists, moves on and is actually considered. Um, so then all of a sudden you have this big pool of teams, everybody who is listed three times, and each of the 13 members lists their top six teams now out of that pool. So they have to be part of the ones that made the cut. Um, And again, no particular order, just say these are the top six. And then the six teams that are mentioned the most, they move on to the next step. And so you have the six teams, again, each of the 13 members ranks these teams this time. So this time the order does matter. And if uh, they say a team is number one, that team gets one point, two gets two points, three gets three points, all the way down to six. Each member makes their own list like that. And whichever team gets the fewest points, so if you got all ones, that'd be 13, a one from each. So, So whichever team gets the fewest is the number one, second fewest is number two, third fewest is number three. So there's three teams left, but those are just put to the side for a second. So after that, the uh, members each make their list of the next six. So you have the first six all set to the side, three are ranked, three are just in a pool off to the side. Then they take the next six. So probably like the seven through 12. They each vote for what those should be. And the three teams out of those six that are mentioned the most on the 13 lists move into the same pool as the three that are left over. And so then all of a sudden you have six teams again and the same process happens with the voting. So then you vote one through six, they take the top three of those and make those four, five, six. And then you put the three remaining in the pool, just the just the three of them together and then they do the the listing of the next six um and then they take the most mentioned and then they put the three most mentioned with the three off to side and just repeat the process repeat the process till they get through everybody and then when they're done with all that then they can go back through and so one one person rick george could say you know what i don't like how 10 11 12 stacks up or 9, 10, 11, or 8, 9, 10. We should talk about that. And if uh, 
he gets two other people to agree with him. So you need to have three people agree that you need to talk about it. Then you go through the process again. Um, and between each step, between each ranking, between each listing, all that different stuff, there's conversations about how everything should stack up. Um, and that's the part that gets really important. And that's why we had to spend five minutes on that process, which is not what I wanted to do. But um, so you have these conversations over and over until everybody's happy and then you move on. Um, yeah, that's how that works. Here's the important part. Here's what's different about having Rick George on there for Colorado. So they also have recusal policies. So there's a whole set of criteria um, explaining who can't be allowed to vote when a school is in the voting process. Um, there's a whole bunch of different ways. So if you're getting paid by the school, if you have a family member getting paid by the school, you have a kid who goes to the school or, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things. The point is obviously being the athletic director for the school is one of the things that means that you can't actually be in the voting process. So you can, Rick George can still nominate Colorado to be in a tier, but uh, once everybody starts trying to rank those teams, he has to leave. Um, Actually, I don't know if he leaves the room, actually, if he just sits there. Um, so he's not allowed to put that ranking in. Um, he is allowed to nominate because that could, if, if it's a bad nomination, it changes things, then all of a sudden it just won't be one of those three. It'll move into the pool and then they'll compete with the next three. So it could keep falling all the way down. It's actually like a super smart process um, and really interesting and maybe not interesting enough to spend as much time as I just did. But here we are. Um, so yeah, that that changes things because if you think about it, each of the Pac-12 athletic directors want what's best for the Pac-12. You know, that they're going to go into this process as unbiased as possible. And I'm not saying that Rick George is going to be biased, nor am I saying that any other athletic director is. But let's just pretend they were because that's what makes this whole thing really interesting, I think. Um, and that's that... Uh, Take Oregon last year, for example. Their athletic director was on the committee. That meant that any time Oregon was part of that ranking process, he wasn't allowed to vote, which probably hurt Oregon because, you know, for example, if Utah was part of the vote, but Oregon wasn't, so he could vote, in theory, he'd want what's best for the Pac-12 he'd bump up Utah maybe just a tiny bit higher because of some inherent bias or actually let's just pretend they're corrupt and not have to talk around all of it. So let's just pretend everybody's totally corrupt. They want what's best for them and what's best for them is what's best for their conference. So he's going to do what he can to make Utah ranked higher as, as high as he possibly can. He also wants the same thing for Oregon, but he can't actually make that happen for Oregon. So being the Pac-12's voice can actually hurt your school in that way, assuming everybody's totally corrupt and not just doing what's best for football, but doing what's best for them and their school and their conference. It gets even more difficult when you look into the discussion process. So like I said, you you pick the six teams you want to vote for and then you figure out which six actually you vote for and then you actually vote for them. But in between the vote and picking them and then... So in between each of those little phases, there are discussions about which team should be included 
and which team shouldn't. And so then everybody talks and then they put in their secret ballots. Every ballot is secret also. Um, and so you do have that chance to influence everybody else. So it seems like it'd be good to have Rick George in that room talking up Colorado because he would say good things about them. He'd say, well, actually, Colorado's loss to USC, sure, it's a loss, and that looks bad. But you have to remember, you know, they, they did lose Steven Montez for that drive. And so he has that knowledge, but also he knows how to spin things to make it better. He's going to hype them up as much as he can. That doesn't work, though, because he isn't allowed to speak in the discussions when Colorado is being discussed. So that's the same thing if you're recused you can't even talk unless it's a factual question. So it has to be just a straight up yes, no, or statistic thing. So like if somebody could say, well, how many receiving yards does LaVisca Chenault have? And he could say 733. And that's all right. But if he said, is LaVisca Chenault good at football? Rick George would have to sit there totally silent. And so you don't even get that voice there. You could take another step back and say, you know, if Rick George is talking to these or is, is interacting with these 12 people, these other 12 people in this situation, he's probably spending more time talking to them outside. And uh, that means that if he's spending time talking with them outside, Colorado football is probably going to come up. And so in those conversations, he can put in little bits and pieces and you know, try to try to influence them there. Assuming, again, assuming everybody is totally corrupt, which they aren't, and this probably won't even matter. Everybody would do what's best for the whole process and the college football playoff in general. But if they were corrupt, then Rick George off to the side before and after would be saying, hey, you know, we're doing this. You could also get to the point where you're cutting deals or maybe not even cutting deals, but just understanding, hey, the athletic director, I think Barry Alvarez represents the Big Ten. And you just sit there knowing like, well, Wisconsin's going to lose votes here because he can't vote. Maybe you do bump him up higher. You don't, and I don't think anybody would, but you know, that's the thought process. So that's kind of how it works. There, There isn't like this huge poll that Colorado now has in this process. It's very neutral. And, you know, honestly, if, if it does something, it hurts the college football playoff chances. It does do a lot of really great things for for Colorado, though, that would more than balance those out. Um, we talked about how it affects uh, Rick George having that on his resume. That he's a college football playoff voter. But all of a sudden, his name's everywhere. Um, that means Colorado's everywhere. They're going to have interviews with him, how he votes, how he sees things, all this kind of stuff. That's... It's massive. It's so massive. And, you know, there's there's been some talk, I, not even like rumors coming from the Pac-12 or coming out of Colorado or any of that kind of stuff, but, you know, talk among fans and analysts who say, you know, Rick George could be the guy who replaces Larry Scott um, when the time comes, um, whether that's two years down the road, three years down, you know, uh, he could be the next Pac-12 commissioner. This on his resume, along with the other stuff he's been adding, you know, he was part of the committee that decided how to approach this name image likeness thing that came out in October, November, um, where they're, they're going to find a way for college athletes to profit off of themselves. 
You know, you can go get free wings in exchange for tweeting about it, that kind of stuff. But he's part of the committee that makes those rules, big high profile thing. He does a lot of those really high profile athletic director roles, which is really cool um, and great for Colorado too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, also interesting that Larry Scott picked him. Um which I guess there probably isn't too much to read into, but, you know, Larry probably hears the rumors. He probably knows that he's not beloved by Pac-12 fans, um, whether that's right or whether it's wrong. That's kind of the sentiment, and the thought is that he's going to be gone in a few years. The athletic directors will vote him off. Um Rick George is a pretty powerful athletic director. Having this nomination coming from Larry, who knows? Maybe that saves him. Also, it puts Rick in a spot where it's more likely he gets offered the job. Whether he wants it or not, more likely he gets offered it um, because it happened. So maybe Larry's playing with him to get him to try to help him stay. Maybe he wants... Rick to get the job after for some reason and again this was kind of conspiracy stuff but it's the politics that go on with a decision like this also it kind of just makes sense because if you were to look around the Pac-12 and pick an athletic director who most deserves to have this job you'd probably come to the conclusion that it is Rick George so there's a bunch of thoughts there um since this happened today, I haven't had a chance to like totally process it. Um, it'd be interesting to see if anybody's written some think piece about why he'd be chosen. I don't know. I don't know. I was a little bit rambly. Hopefully you guys thought this was interesting. It also could have been incredibly boring. I'm going to listen back afterward because I'm uh, really curious whether that was entertaining at all. Um, you know what is entertaining? Ashad Clayton and literally every move that he makes. My goodness, that guy, he he deletes more tweets than anyone I know. He tweets so cryptically. The average tweet length of his, I'd say one word because so many of them are just an emoji. It's pretty wild, but it's a fun part of the job trying to read his mind. Um, and we're going to talk all about that in just a minute after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the most incredible beers. There's a thing going on next week that uh, I can't remember what exactly it is, and I can't remember what exactly I'm supposed to tell you, but I know it's going to be really cool. I know it's going to be Nuggets related, and uh, I hope to see you all there. I'm not sure what day it is, and I'm not sure I could tell you what day it is anyway, but uh, again, wouldn't be possible without our awesome partners over at Breckenridge Brewery. I think it's going to be like Monday or Tuesday or early in the week. I'm going to figure that out. Maybe it's late in the week, and we get to say what it is early in the week. Um, I just watched the Nuggets guys tease it, and that was the first time that I had ever heard somebody actually tease it. We got like lists of instructions of what we can say. Um, you know, the fun side of the job. Uh, I can't remember any of them. And so I'm just going to say what they said and hope that Harrison had it right. He didn't even know there was a watch party. Mars had to tell him, I don't know, whole big thing. 
be on the lookout next week. It's going to be one of the coolest things we do. Um, also, I didn't get a chance to go out yesterday on Tuesday to the uh, Hall of Fame introduction watch party. And I'm really disappointed. Um, honestly, I didn't think Larry Walker was going to get in. Um, and so that played into it. I had like other things to do. In hindsight, though, I should have woken up at like five in the morning or stayed up super late and gotten everything done that way and gone and that because it, it looks so cool. If you guys saw the video, it it was just packed at Blake Street Tavern. We had a whole bunch of people there when Larry was introduced, one of two guys inducted. It was his last time on the ballot. He wasn't supposed to make it. He even said that morning um in interviews, but also he just tweeted like, I don't think I'm going to make it in, but I really do appreciate all the support. You guys have tried so hard to make this happen for me. I'm not going to forget about it. That means almost as much as getting in would actually mean. And then he got in and everybody was crying and jumping and screaming and I wasn't there. I think even the Rockies Twitter account like was there or whoever runs it and like took a video and sent it in and that was how cool it was it was one of our watch parties uh we're doing something else cool if you guys haven't been to one of those they're so much fun they're the best thing we do um and breckenridge makes it possible is where i'm going usually get like a free beer or something when you go from breckenridge um so there we go um that was really long so we're just gonna move along into the second segment of today's show this wednesday edition of the dnvr buffs podcast presented by davidson's beer wine and spirits okay ashad clayton um that guy that guy um we all know the story key points are he is an incredible football player he's a running back there's a good chance he would start Maybe not a greater than 50% chance that he would start week one this season if he committed, but it is very much on the table in my opinion. Um, I would be shocked if he wasn't a significant part of the rotation at the very least. That's a type of talent that we're looking at. Um, he's committed to Colorado. He he came down for the Stanford game uh, shortly after, committed to Colorado, and then... Uh, didn't sign in the early signing period, but nobody from his class did. Um, really, he he hasn't even like decommitted or anything, but people are really scared that he might or that he might flip his commitment. Um, he will sign February 5th, so we're coming up on that. What's that? 9, 5, that's uh, 14 days, two weeks, two weeks from today, uh, which is huge. It's so huge if once they finally can just lock him up and make him a buff. Um, after he came down to the Stanford game, after he'd committed, he still went and visited Kansas. Um, I think he might have taken an unofficial visit to Florida as well. Um, he has offers from LSU everywhere. You guys know that. Let's move along to today. Because this has become a daily, <laughs> daily thing that I follow. Um, so, who was it? Um somebody tagged me in uh oh hingle mccringleberry at bbk bgx on twitter uh tagged me with eye emoji and posted a picture from ashad's instagram story instagram account like you can post the story the things that go away in like 24 hours for those of you who don't instagram i'm terrible at it and it just caused a whole bunch of problems, to be honest. So the the screenshot was 
a picture of Boulder looks like a restaurant or something. I should probably notice it, but it's it's like tagged. It says Boulder, Colorado, so you know it's there, which is exciting. It means he's in Boulder. That's definitely a good sign for February 5th, but also there's snow on the ground in the picture, which is confusing because there's no snow in Boulder. Uh, it's it's warm. It's like I, I guess I don't know about Boulder, but Denver is like in the fifties all week, and Boulder's probably like in the forties all week because it's like ten degrees cooler usually. Um, so that caused some problems. What made it even more confusing is that on Instagram stories you have the option to use a feature that's called the boomerang. So basically, it's it's like a half second video. And it plays forward and then backward and then forward and backward. It just like moves back and forth and back and forth. So you can like, if you like, it's like a video of, let's just say, I can't even think of a thing right now. Let's just say a mountain. You have your phone point up at the mountain. You hold down the record button. And while it's recording, you zoom in. Then the video, it's going to zoom in and zoom out and zoom in and zoom out and zoom in. And it'll just go over and over. Um, so it was that kind of post. This is weird that we're talking about this. Um, it was that kind of post. And you can't do that, I don't believe, unless you're taking the video in the app and posting it immediately. So you can't take a picture or like a video that you took earlier and then apply that feature and post it. You have to record it in the app. So it kind of makes sense if he had just like, done it right then it seems like you'd almost have to but the other option would be that like he took the video and then didn't like close his instagram app or do anything else with it for months since there was snow up there when he was actually there i don't know i don't know if he was in boulder there was no snow everybody up there said there was no snow um and here's my take on that i think that it's even better that he wasn't actually there, assuming that he wasn't actually there today, because it means that he is like thinking about Boulder. You know, Boulder's on his mind. Well, think of it this way. What would we think if he had put like a, a thing of Gainesville up there and just tagged it Gainesville? It'd be like, oh no, does that mean he's going to Gainesville? All that kind of stuff? No. So think of the opposite and make that Colorado, and that's still a very good thing, almost better than him being up there. Also, what would he be doing in Boulder in the middle of a week after school started? Why not go a couple of weeks ago when he's on Christmas break? Or maybe in Louisiana they don't have those breaks, they're like different, I'm not really sure. I think it's a good thing. Here's where it went from there. Um, I like retweeted it, and we had the conversation uh, all over Twitter, like, what about the snow? What does that mean? And then Ashad, being confusing as always. Uh, oh wait, did he actually? Oh, I was just looking this up, and he changed it. That's the deleting tweets things. Um, that guy. Okay, so he tweeted a bunch of different things, including. His first tweet following this whole incident, which was just retweeting my tweet. So, like, he saw it. He knew the conversation. He saw the conversation. He retweeted it. And then 
shortly after, tweeted, Buff Nation be acting bad with the Instagram followers. And then, like, kind of sad face. Like, he wanted Instagram followers. Um, so he he was fully aware of what was going on. Then he, like, quote tweeted it and said, like, then posted his Instagram handle as, like, IG Shad Huncho. Um and then shortly after, tweeted something else and then deleted it. And I didn't take a screenshot, so I can't remember exactly what it was. By the time I, I have his Twitter notifications on so that I can go through this process literally every single day. And uh, from the time that it popped up on my phone until I clicked on like the notification and opened the tweet, he had deleted it. So I didn't even give it a chance. I have screenshots of so many of, of this man's tweets. Um so I don't even remember exactly what it said. And then after that, he tweeted thinking dot, dot, dot. What's he thinking about? I don't know. Um, I do know that he also tweeted, and this is a separate but equally confusing tweet um, for a different reason. He tweeted at Keith Miller III, hey, what you doing? So... Here we are again. Keith Miller is uh, committed to Colorado. Uh, he's also still in high school in Texas, though. So that initial thought is, hey, what you doing, Keith Miller, is, wow, does he want to go hang out with Keith Miller? That makes sense. Um, if he was in Boulder and Keith Miller was in Boulder. So that was my initial thought. And I was like, wait, no, Keith Miller isn't an early enrollee he's still in high school he's not going to be on campus until this summer and then i double checked that and that took me a while to make sure because i couldn't get like a definitive answer as easily as i thought would this took so much time today again again and it's these recruits who put me through this over and over and over after signing day is going to be a nice break a real nice break. I can turn off my Twitter notifications for Keith and for Ashad and for Brendan. But good thing I have him today because I caught an important conversation. So it wasn't just the tweet, hey, what you doing? Uh, Keith also responded and said, patiently waiting till February 5th. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> yep. Keith gets it. Want to play uh, psychologist with Keith now? Uh, Keith is a little bit easier to read. Uh, his tweets are not nearly as confusing. Um, he's It does sound like he's also kind of nervous about whether a shot is actually going to commit. Um, you know? But it's good that they're talking. You don't see... Ashad tweeting at anybody else like like a Kansas guy or like a I do think Florida is probably the other uh, potential landing spot for him if he decides not to go to uh, Colorado so it's good that he tweeted Keith and then afterward let's see where is this one now wait a minute Brendan jumped in. Oh, there it is. After Keith said, patiently wait until February 5th, what are you doing? Brendan quote tweeted that one, tagged a shot and said, it's almost time. So there's where we stand. I hope this isn't a daily update. 
Um, and if it is, we're not going to spend nearly this long on it. Hopefully ever again, but it keeps happening. Um, also, if you want to ensure that a Clayton will come to Colorado, follow him on Instagram. This is 2020. Um, let's, <laughs> let's move along. Let's move along. Um, it'd be nice to just daydream about this offense with Brendan Lewis and Brendan Rice and Ashad Clayton and Keith Miller and all these guys. Let's hold off on that until after signing day so that we really know what we're about to get. Okay, so I'm jumping back in right here. I finished the podcast and then realized that I forgot a really important note. I just went right past it. And uh, so now I'm going to tell you about that and then we're going to jump back into the normal show, the timeline that I'm totally interrupting here. Um, February 5th, Blake Street Tavern. Um, all of the Buffs coaches will be there that signing day. Uh, there's there's going to be like free appetizers. I think you might even get like a free beer or something. Uh, RSVP on the website. It's They aren't even doing like a signing day press conference, but they are doing this. And so they'll talk with the people who are there. Um, it's, it's going to be a great event as always at Blake street tavern, essentially my favorite place on the planet. Um, Mel Tucker is going to be there. A whole bunch of really important people are going to be there. I've talked to some of them about it and, uh, yeah, RSVP on the Blake street tavern website and tell them you're going to be there. Cause there's a lot of people. I want to say there's already, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they already have a couple of hundred RSVPs. It's going to be so crazy. No better way to spend your sign date. February 5th, 7 o'clock maybe? No, I think 6. Until then, we can daydream about the upcoming Colorado Raptors season. If you haven't heard, we're now covering the Colorado Raptors professional rugby team. We have Colton Strickler on the beat taking you behind the scenes with the DNVR Raptors podcast as well as his written Raptors content at thednvr.com. Uh, he's building a really cool community on the DNVR or Raptors Twitter account. If you've ever wanted to get into rugby, this is how you start. Follow that Twitter account. Follow along with Colton Strickler. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale. It's just east of Cherry Creek. It's an awesome venue to go to. The season starts in February. Um, adults get in for $20 right now. Uh, if you buy your tickets at coloradoraptors.com, it's only $5 for kids. Uh, so definitely try to become a fan. I'm really excited to learn how rugby works. And, you know, I need more sports in my life, especially sports that are like football, but happen when there's no football. That's what's most important. I think most of the games are on the weekends. Check them out. Uh, we're definitely going to one like as a DNVR crew. Not really sure when. Um, but I'm excited for that. We'll definitely hype that up and hopefully we see some of you there. I would also like to tell you about Bojo's Pizza. So there's only one place that you can get a true Montana. Oh, Montana. No, Colorado Mountain Pie. I have no idea where that came from. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, and unbelievably delicious pizza joint. Bojo's. Guess what? They're giving the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. That's right. The only place you can find a true Colorado mountain mouthwatering pie is Bojo's, and they're hooking you up with a free honey cheese bread. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is, Bojo's is the only answer. 
Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, the Breck Brews, and your favorite pro sports team. I just threw that pro in there. There's a word that looks like it. They have the buffs um, playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all of your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. So, head to the nearest location, grab an entree, and get some free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. And tell them who sent you. Okay. Um, also on Twitter today, um, which is what this whole show has kind of been, um, Matt McChesney posted a picture of himself at his gym with Buffs linebacker Nate Landman. I'm really excited about this, um... You guys, I'm not sure what exactly Buffs fans' relationship with McChesney is um, because I am kind of new here and I, like, jumped in with McChesney. So, like, immediately after landing this job, I'm, like, chatting with McChesney. I'm hearing all of the DMVR people talk about McChesney. Half of the my, like, initial, initial Twitter followers were, were based on their relationships with McChesney like he was one of my ins to the Buffs community and so I've seen him as like a massive figure in this community um and he totally deserves that reputation you know he he played for CU he played in the NFL for seven years maybe eight years um offensive lineman and defensive lineman did all sorts of different things incredibly talented football player um also just a great guy um a little loud, but a great guy. Uh, so yeah, um, now McChesney, for those of you guys who don't know, runs a gym in uh, Centennial. It's right next to the Broncos facilities. So like all the Broncos work out there. Phil Lindsay has been like, he works out there. He works out with Brandon Spano, my boss's kid, uh, Dimitri, who's in sixth grade, I think. And so they'll like, they'll just be sitting in the same meeting rooms while... McChesney's breaking down film, having them answer questions, having like like sharpening them up, showing them things, showing them how to, the game works. So there's everybody from NFL Pro Bowlers all the way down through re- like practice squad NFL guys to college football players, um, through high school players down to middle schoolers. I don't think I think I think Dimitri's about the youngest one there. Um, but it's awesome. It's so cool. And I don't even think I've plugged him before, um, at least in that way. You know, I've talked about conversations I've had and that kind of stuff. But if you want to get better at whatever sport you play or just in better shape, whatever kind of training, he's the guy to go to. Um, maybe not for everybody, but, you know, if, if you're the type of person or, you know, you're interested for like your kids or your whatever the relationship is, if you're interested for somebody else, if what really matters to you is getting better at football or getting better at whatever you're trying to do, 
that's that's the spot to be. You know, he he can be harsh. He he demands a lot. He wants you up there early in the morning doing all sorts of different stuff, but I guess not everybody. It's mostly like the high school kids, you know, they'll drive up there like there there are kids who work out there every morning before school who are from like Grand Junction. Like guys who drive an hour each way then work out for two hours in between that that means you're leaving before four in the morning um the stories that those guys tell are incredible but again teaches discipline it also um, obviously teaches a lot of football it's not like a football practice his facility is actually awesome and i don't mean this whole thing to be a plug i hope you think it's interesting too but you know they have like the turf they have like all the spots they can do drills catch balls um work on their footwork it's 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 individual development instead of team development. So often what happens is coaches at, at any level are trying to do whatever it takes to win a game. That's what the concern is. So so that means in meetings, it's teaching guys how to do their job or what their job is in a certain situation and not nearly as much about building agility, you know, building that kind of stuff. And and that's actually something that I've heard changed. If, if you think back to the beginning of the season, I remember uh, talking to a bunch of the offensive linemen a week before the season started about uh, Chris Kapilovic, uh, the new offensive line coach who just finished his first season here. Um, and immediately he had incredible reviews. And one of the things that they continued to say throughout the season was, He's actually coaching us. And by that they meant we're not just learning plays. We're not just learning what our job is. We're actually being developed as football players. Um, and again, that is very rare. Um, and it's and it's interesting because that's that's not where you get your the most of your investment as a coach. You know, you, you th- or the most return on your investment. If you think about this defense all year, what were we saying? They're just blowing too many assignments. They're not doing their job. They don't understand where they're supposed to be. Um, guys are just in the wrong spots. They're blowing coverages, all that kind of stuff. You don't fix that by trying to get a guy's feet quicker or to like make him practice You know, looking at these different things, thinking for himself, learning how the game works, You know, all that kind of stuff. It's about sitting in the meeting room, going over the playbook over and over and over and saying, in this situation, what do you do? What do you do here? What do you do here? What is this check? What is that check? What is all this? And not nearly as much about these core football skills. Um, and and that's that makes sense. Because if they had spent all season trying to get guys faster, quicker feet... Um, Come, you know that 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 kind of stuff. Um, you know, offensively get the receivers to get in and out of their breaks quicker. Obviously, there's a little bit of time spent on that, but more often it's knowing what is the pattern here and what is your role within that pattern. Um, don't screw that up, and just over and over, don't screw that up. I do think that Coach Chev, Darren Shiverini, the receivers coach, is also very good about developing his receivers, and that probably wouldn't be the example. Him and Coach Cap are are probably. I I do think they're the best at developing talent. I'll th- I'll spend more time thinking about that. I do think there's some interesting cases in the secondary. I don't know. We'll we'll probably come to, back to that at some point in the future. But 
that's the point is that McChesney is focused on you, making you the best football player, making sure you have every possible tool to succeed and also learn the game. You know, not learn what's your job here um, or like game planning. Here's what they do. Here's what we're doing to stop it. And understanding that he'll sit you down in the film room and say, you know, depending on your level for a guy, for a kid like Dimitri, it, it might be, here's what a cover two defense is. You know, you have the two safeties up, you rush the four, and then five guys guarding, you know, the five to ten, you know, however he wants to explain it. And the Tampa two, guess what? The safety spread out a little bit, and all of a sudden the inside linebacker, the middle linebacker, um, runs the middle of the field. He's got that whole stretch. All those different things, the cover three, the cover two man. So you learn those, then you understand why you use them. So what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? When can you tell when it works, when it doesn't? And you just keep building that knowledge the the type of knowledge that coaches typically have, but players often don't. Developing that, understanding how things work, because that makes it a lot easier to pick up on what you're doing in the meeting rooms. Um, when it's game planning, when the coach says they're doing this, so we're doing this, you don't think, huh, I guess that kind of makes sense. And I have to ask a bunch of questions. It's, oh yeah, that makes sense because of this base theory in football. And that's the mental side so there's the mental side there's the physical side of like developing your own individual skills instead of spending you know if you're on a football field for two hours a day during the season 90 minutes of it might be game planning and 30 minutes is whatever um during camp there's a lot more of like that individual development type stuff by weeks as well but uh chesney can provide it all year round if you want it um this isn't still a McChesney plug. I, I'm saying this because Nate Landman is now doing all these things with him, and that is incredibly exciting. Um, McChesney or Nate is a guy who is so close, is so close, but has two little flaws that he needs to clean up. Um, let's call him two, yeah, and. Once he does that, then all of a sudden we're talking about him how we were talking about him a year ago when we said, why can't he be a butt kiss contender? Why can't he be a guy who succeeds in the NFL? Why why can't, why is he not first? I guess he was first team all Pac-12, so he still did that. Um, it's just interesting because he played very well in the run game, didn't quite make the splash plays early on the way we expected him to, wasn't breaking through the line of scrimmage, getting guys down in the backfield. Um, in the run game, and he was mostly just a pretty sound tackler. He did miss a few tackles, uncharacteristic of him. I think he probably missed two or three throughout the season, and each time you notice. And that's that's what makes it so tough for a guy like him, is that you know if Davion Taylor had missed a tackle, you know we'd be like, oh, okay. If Mark Perry misses a tackle, we might not even know. So we'd be like, yeah, that happens. But when Nate Landman misses one, everybody freaks out it's like michael jordan missing a layup um it it does not happen and it catches your eye and it lingers longer than it would if it was mark perry so instead we're saying hey mark perry you had a great season look at all these great things you did remember when you blew up that quarterback remember how you delayed the blitz just a tiny bit from that star spot massive hole broke into the backfield blew up the quarterback that's what we remember but with nate a missed tackle stands out maybe even more than a play like that. Um, 
and so that's that's kind of how our interpretation of that run game is, um, or his his play against the run game. A little bit slow starting in terms of productive plays. Also, a few missed tackles that we just don't expect to see from him. Um, then in the passing game, he struggled. Uh, you know, he came into the season with Pro Football Focus's highest um, rating among any linebacker in the Pac-12 in terms of coverage. So in coverage snaps only. He was the most productive in the entire conference uh, in 2018. And and so there was a little more hype there than was probably deserved. And I, I, I watched the tape and said, eh, I'm not so sure. And again, I was watching tape differently when when you're replaying play every single play over and over three times four times watching him on every snap um at least once um it's a little bit different perspective um instead of seeing very few glaring weaknesses instead of seeing the the wide open middle over and over again like we did this season um I saw, oh, huh, I'm not so sure about that. Or, wow, they really aren't giving him much space. And so what happened in 2018 was they kind of pinched those zones. And so his zone was a little bit smaller, quite a bit smaller than it was in 2019. Also, he didn't play a whole lot of third downs. There weren't as many coverage snaps for him. Um, so the difference is all of a sudden in 2019, he's out there in coverage a lot more often, a lot more times to make a mistake. And also... They ask more of him by making his zone about 50% bigger than it was in 2018. Maybe not 50%, probably like 30%. I don't know. It'd be interesting to go back and watch a film. That, that'll probably be something I do in the offseason after basketball season ends. Um, get a film room up comparing what was asked of him in 2018, 2019. Uh, that'll be like the... F- where all my free time goes in the summer. But uh, that's that's kind of why I think Buffs fans maybe didn't like him as much this year. They weren't as excited about him this year as he, they were the year before um, because they did see those weaknesses. But then you forget all the tackles, how important he was to the run game. And he, he was probably worthy of a first-team All-Pac-12 selection. Now he gets to work with McChesney. Um and I've, I think I've pretty much explained all the different things they'll do for an average person's game, an average football player's game. But with Nate in particular, I am extremely excited to see what happens. Um, I think that this could be huge for Nate. I think that this could be uh, the difference between him being a sixth-round draft pick and a second-round draft pick. Um the maybe the impact isn't that big but i do think that that's totally on the table because when you think now if he's spending i don't know what it'll be is it four days a week he's spending an hour in the film room learning football um on the board diagramming stuff diagramming blocking schemes um because because they learn football uh it's it's impressive it would actually be fun i wonder if we could get mcchesney to do like a dnvr get together thing where where it's just like rsvp and he'll come talk to get on the board and t- treat us 
like we're one of his like like we're his guys he's training in his classroom um that'd be a lot of fun if you guys would be interested in that let me know and i can see if i can convince him um that would actually be so much fun but 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 i've gotten to see a few times how exactly he handles it and he he puts guys on the spot and says okay come up here draw Da, 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 all these code words that honestly the blocking schemes i still really struggle with like i can tell you all the route concepts when to use route concepts like how they would be named in a couple of schemes um defensively good that blocking stuff is intense and that's another good project for me over the off season but but he'll say what is this and just calling you you have to draw it and then explain why does it work when does it work and in nate's case come up here draw this blocking scheme explain what these tells are before uh the snap and then tell me how you're going to beat them what do you do what are what are the weaknesses here and that stuff will be ingrained in nate's head and when he is out there calling defenses that's just going to come so much quicker that if if he knows most of it now then having it all locked in will make those reads quicker and improve the accuracy from 90% to 95%, which will be a huge difference for the defense. If he is struggling right now, which I would really doubt, to be honest, then the improvement is even bigger. Um, again, the other stuff of just having this down, that means that when the when Mel Tucker and Tyson Summers explain this, what the team is doing that week in the meeting rooms, He's going to understand it better than everybody else. That means he can go explain it to guys who need more help. Uh, talking to Mikhail Onu a couple weeks ago, he said that that's what was most frustrating for him this year is that he didn't know things well enough to help everybody else out. He Nobody did. Nobody on that defense knew things well enough. And and talking to Nate this summer, uh, Pac-12 Media Day, he said, I'm excited to get a good grasp. I feel good about it, and I want to be the resource for all these guys. And, you know, having spoken with Mikhail, not about Nate, but about how this whole process was, I would guess that Nate didn't have a good enough grasp to break things down the way that he wanted to. Um, Mikhail said it was going to take another year. He said that if he came back this spring, he could have been on top of it. He could have made sure that defense was ready in week three instead of in week nine, I would say, is when things changed. Um, Just make things quicker. Guys who need to learn, he could teach them up. He could help. That makes it so much easier for for Nate having all that classroom stuff done. And then there's the agility. Matt watches tape on him. He knows what he needs to improve. Um, I don't. I could tell you he needs to improve in coverage. I could say that his senses seem all right, but could use a little bit of work. Um, I couldn't tell you if his back pedal is too slow, if his legs are too close together, if whatever. I couldn't tell you if he turns his hips too early or if he da da da. I don't know any of that. Matt does, and Matt will grind that out with him every day. Um, this is this really has sounded like one long plug for Matt, um, but really I hope you guys take away how important it is for Nate to be getting this outside help. Um, how do I say this? I know that there are a, a, a lot of... I don't necessarily... Like, 
I have McChesney's stories, his breakdowns. I have all the DMVR. I've talked to outside people about how this kind of work helps people. Um, I'm trying to think of the most, the best example. And Oh, I've got one. Um, Cause the thing is a lot of it's like behind the scenes, like not necessarily off the record, but also not told to me expecting me to say it on a podcast. But I do know that Matt has said on a podcast that all of the Broncos' offensive line works with him, um, except for Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles uh, sits at home, and I think I think the quote on the podcast was, eats cereal and watches cartoons. Um, so there you go. And, and there are lots of stories like that. And, and essentially the moral is the guys who find themselves trainers – find themselves outside coaches, find them guys to spend more time with them talking about football than just inside the football facilities at any level are the guys who end up succeeding and the guys who don't are typically the guys who fall out. And that isn't like revolutionary. That isn't something that should come as a surprise. Guess what? Von Miller has a crazy expensive strength and conditioning coach out in in San Francisco that does a whole bunch of unorthodox methods and training systems with him. And a lot of it's like sand-based and all this weird natural stuff. And it totally fits Vaughn. And that's what's so perfect about it is that not only is this guy really good at what he does and not only have the results really paid off, I think his biggest year was right after he started working with this guy. But uh, also it fits Vaughn. And that's what's most important. Um... You you guys know how Vaughn is. He's not uh he's not Derek Wolf. He's not let's let's make these buffs things. Alex Fontenot is not Jaron Mangum. Jaron Mangum's a little more reserved, um, a little more tense, a little more serious, and maybe he'll loosen up. Maybe that's just like stress. I only talk to him when I'm holding a microphone up to his face. That would change things. But also Alex Fontenot is a little more laid back. I bet if you take Alex Fontenot to McChesney, who knows? They might hate each other because McChesney's more the intense guy. I think he fits well with Nate. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited. You know, I again, talking to McChesney a month or two ago now. When would that have been? Yeah, a little over a month ago. Uh, actually, no, pretty close to two months. Wow. Uh, he said that he thinks that Nate Landman can be a Buckkiss Award winner. Um, at the very least can definitely be a finalist for that award. He has all the tools. It's just figuring out how to put them to use, figuring out how to work in the scheme and, you know, continuing to develop, continue to become a better athlete. Uh, McChesney is a pretty big buff fan. Maybe he's a little bit skewed there. I mean, I think I, I wrote my 20 predictions for 2020. Uh, if you guys read those, one of them was that, Nate won't be a butt kiss award winner, but Buffs fans will be really mad about that. Like he'll be he'll be close enough to being um or no, he he won't be a finalist, but he'll be really close to being a finalist. And that's gonna make a lot of Buffs fans mad because they'll think in their biased way that he should be. Um if that makes sense. He's going to be so close to being a finalist that if you w- wanted him to be, then he you would see it that way. Okay, uh, let's move on. I'm kind of derailing here. Uh, I think that's it for today. Um, 
tomorrow, we didn't get to talk about this at all, but Washington State is in town. They'll be in Boulder tomorrow night. I'll be there, of course. Hopefully, you guys will be too. Uh, pretty big weekend. You then have Washington on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk, I think, tomorrow tomorrow's podcast the Thursday podcast will be recorded after the game or at least the last segment I'll record after the game so we'll break that down and then on Friday we'll talk about the Washington game um knock on wood but I figured that that was the way to approach this with all this football stuff that I wanted to get to um that we could go without a preview of the Washington State game uh see if that makes me look dumb um what what is the line right now? I think I think Colorado is like an eleven point favorite, so that's solid. That's solid. Um, that's it for the notes. We're gonna head out of here. As always, if you have any questions or comments, uh, leave them in the comment section for the post for today's show at thednvr.com, and we'll get to all those um, on tomorrow's show. Also. I do think that coming up here soon, I'm going to do another Twitter question show where we just open everything up to all sorts of questions. Um, Those have been a lot of fun in the past. And I keep thinking like we're going to hit a good time for it. Maybe early next week we're going to do that. So, So if you aren't a member of DNVR, so you can't comment consistently, get ready for that. Um, early next week, we're going to be doing a Twitter question show. So if you have questions about the buffs or about uh, Tinder or The Bachelor, oh, please have Bachelor questions. Or, uh, oh, I have an exciting thing to t- tell you guys about still. I um, still just need to lock in the details before I can do it, though. Um, you're going to have some questions about that. Um, then we'll do that. So get hyped about that as well. Hopefully I see some of you tomorrow. Hopefully I see the rest of you in the comment section. Okay. Uh, bye. Talk to you tomorrow.
survival. Get them thugs, get them boss, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a boss with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway.